0: Welcome to WebRush, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walline, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back
1: to WebRush. This is episode 230. And today's episode is all about semantic HTML. It's been a while since we did a show about semantic HTML, and I have just the Crag to help us do this today. Welcome back to the show, my co-host, Craig Shoemaker. How you doing, Craig?
0: I'm awesome. So glad to be here. So you said it's been a while since we've done a show on semantic HTML. I mean, that puts it at, at like what, four years?
1: Yeah, like literally been that long, and I wish I knew somebody who's written. I think I just checked thirteen courses about HTML.
0: Me too, Uh, because I just submitted a new one on Monday, so I guess that would be fourteen now, right? So,
1: I mean, in in all, we're joking, but obviously, it's it's there's a lot to say about HTML. Like you have literally made a career out of talking about HTML and the web, Uh, and you've got a ton of these courses up on Pluralsight, and they're not just. Like they're not like, hey, I wrote it 20 years ago and it hasn't changed. Right. HTML has evolved, and also the way we, the syntax in some cases hasn't. Like a divs, a divs, a div. The way we use HTML has also evolved right. on the web. Um, and you're the, probably the four eminent preeminence. <laughs> what are you? You're, you're the big <clears throat> elephant, right? That's they uh, that can elephant. talk about this.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs>
1: But before we get into that, we have to talk about what we talked about before the show, Craig. So I learned today, today I learned, everybody, Craig is a masculine name of Scottish, Gaelic, and Welsh origins. I didn't realize this, and Craig actually means rock or rocky. So a new nickname for Craig is going to be Rocky. But the more interesting thing here is it also describes a rugged cliff that makes for a stunning sight on the Scottish coast. So the next time that you see a stunning sight, on the coast of any country. Let's go beyond Scotland here, folks. Just think of Craig Shoemaker.
0: That's just so heartwarming. I mean, <laughs> I, I couldn't have asked for more. It's not even my birthday. And and this is this is what you give me. Okay. The the thing that's the worst thing about the name Craig is that there's no thing you can do with it to make a nickname. So Rocky's
1: kind of cool. So the challenge to all of you audience members is to write in on the social media of all the great nicknames you'd love to call Craig now. <laughs> and we'll talk about him on the next episode. Why not? <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, if Ward was here, oh, I miss Ward being here. Right.
2: <laughs> he oh, would he have a whole bunch that for you right now. Yes. That would be the Let's entire
1: episode. <laughs> but we'll get back to our topic today. So in all seriousness, there's a lot going on with HTML out there. And we did do a show a couple weeks ago, I believe, on some of the DOM attributes and the APIs with the, with the DOM and the web browser. Right, Craig?
0: We did. Yeah. Kind of some of the... The browser APIs that maybe you were a little less familiar with, at least uh, I think we were. Yeah,
1: there's always, it seems like there's always something new coming out of there. Uh, I remember when like location stuff was starting to come in and the navigator um, or navigation API, whatever um, mm-hmm. that's in there and all the great stuff you could learn. Like the first time I realized I actually could ask the browser, am I on like a fast internet or not? Right. Uh, years ago, when I learned that, I was like, wow, this blew my mind. But also in HTML, like we should start with this, like, what are the, what are the big things you can kind of go through with HTML? I think a good starting point is I'm going to be really vulnerable here and let everybody know I never learned HTML. (gasps) I've never sat down and read a book on what is HTML. I've never gone to a course or a class. It was never taught to me in, in school. It's just something I've picked up over the course of my career of, you know, using the internet. Yeah. And to put it out there, I, I am a very experienced web developer who has never actually sat down to learn. What are all the elements and tags and attributes and events and and all this HTML? And and I I beg to say, I, I don't think I'm alone out there, Craig.
0: No, I, I think that's the the typical path and experience that most people have. And and I think especially now with the the availability of so many different front-end frameworks. So to start at HTML sometimes isn't even really the right place because I liken it to some of the frustrations that I have about university courses when they teach programming. It's like, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to show you how to build an engine before we'll even teach you how to drive a car, which isn't necessarily the the best way, in my opinion, of helping people to learn something new. And so I, I think the The context, the meaning, the purpose of everything that surrounds HTML is important. Oftentimes, you don't encounter it until you kind of need it in a specific point in time.
1: I could could agree with that. I think we all have challenges with how things are taught. And and we're all different people, too, so we all learn differently uh, out there. And a good place to start, and I'd love to start with this section, if you don't mind, is... Like, while I learned HTML mostly on the job, on the fly, and frankly, years ago, like right-clicking the browser going view source, like, what are these things? Right. (laughs) One of the things that was early on for me that I really had to get the separation on, and it might help the rest of our conversation, is what are the different pieces of HTML? And by this, I mean, like, we have elements, we have tags, we have attributes, we have events. I'm probably missing a few things. Like, what's the difference between these things?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, if you just look at some any bit of HTML markup, you're going to have stuff that's inside the brackets and you're going to have some stuff that's outside the brackets. And the stuff that's outside the brackets is probably going to be texts. It could be an image, but then you have more brackets that you're dealing with. Um, But basically, when you have something that's enclosed within a greater than and less than signed bracket, that's essentially going to be what we call an, an HTML tag. Now, or excuse me, I'm already messing up my words. That that's not See? the tag, exactly, that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be an HTML element, right? And specifically, give us an example. Like, what, what's a common element? Okay, so a common element would be like an H1, right? For your for your header on, on the page. And so when, when we're looking at that piece of markup, the, the tag itself is the letters H1 right? So when you have an HTML element, it's going to be identified by its, uh, a different tag. So it might be an A for an anchor, which is a link. It might be an H1 for a header, or it might be a P for a paragraph. But that, that one, two, or sometimes three, or I guess now more character identifier is going to be the tag of the element itself. And so each one of your elements will have that tag, but then it'll also have extra information that you can use to describe that element. And so those are the attributes that you'll uh, you'll be able to to define for them. So if, if we look at an anchor tag, anchor element. <laughs>
1: okay, so you just said attribute, element, and tag all in the same sentence
0: again. Right. Well, that's what I'm running. I'm running through. I'm gonna finish up with the distinction among each one. Okay. Gotcha. So if we create a link, that's going to be that's going to be a, a link element, and its tag is going to be the letter A, for, okay. for anchor. A link element, and the tag of a link element is the A. Gotcha. Right. Okay. And then we want to tell that link where we're linking to, and so there's going to be a, an attribute called href, right? So that's the the link destination from when you click on that link, where it's going to go. So that's the attribute or the extra information that you can provide. To that element, so hopefully that makes sense you You have an element it's it's identified by a tag, and then you can add extra information to it through attributes is it fair to say that a tag
1: is a one to one within an element yes, okay, so it, an element is the thing it 's the instance of using a tag if i is that a, is that a way to say it? I just made that up
0: yeah i mean so i i'm kicking into my object oriented uh, <laughs> you know theory now. So, you know, so the, I don't know which one is the class and which one is the instance. Right. Um, Maybe that's not
1: a good relation. Yeah.
0: Right. But, but basically as your, your, your page is interpreted by the browser and it encounters all of this markup, it's going to know what type of element to create in memory based off of the tag that it encounters.
2: So John, one of the things I like about AG grid, which is a, a data grid, component for the kind of complex uh, grid scenarios that we encounter all the time in enterprise apps. One of the things I really like about it is that it works for a variety of frameworks, Angular, React, Vue, or or just vanilla JS. Does that ring a bell for you?
1: Oh, it really does. There's all these different companies that I work with where they have no choice but to use a lot of these different tools because they have different teams working on them. So being able to port their code or share that code and that technical investment they have is really important to them.
2: Yeah, well, it's important to us, uh, ideally, we're a consulting company. And, uh, you know, we never know what our client's going to want to use, Angular, React, Vue. But they're all going to need a grid. And it's great to be able to reach for uh, the one grid that works everywhere, AG Grid.
1: You know, at at any size company, too, because you could have these teams that maybe they only use one framework, but eventually they're going to switch to another one and be able to take that investment again and use it, reuse it is really nice.
2: So if a multi-framework, Data grid makes sense to you, please go check out AG Grid at AG Grid.com.
1: So one of the questions, and I don't don't like to normally do this, but I'm gonna ask a question I don't know the answer to. I know the answer, but I don't know how to articulate it. And maybe you do. And the reason I say I don't like to ask this usually is because I don't know if you know either. So we'll find out together. Hey.
0: And elements
1: L like uh let's use the input tag. Which is also an input element, I believe, right? Right. Has attributes like type, right? So, so can tell okay, it's a type. Let, let
0: me just clarify the the wording a little bit. The element has attributes, but the tag does not have attributes. The tag would be input. Gotcha. And then you have an element that has attributes.
1: Yes, in this case, the element and the tag are actually the same. Name. Right, yeah. It. Just like two people can name John. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so the attribute is, let's say you use the attribute of type on an input. Why is it an attribute, not a property? Like, what's the difference between an attribute and a property of an element?
0: Well, when it comes to HTML, I don't, I don't know that there's necessarily a notion of a property. So when you get into frameworks and you're, you're, you're looking at the representation of that element in JavaScript then the concept of a property is something that's pretty concrete. But when we're strictly talking about markup and we're not introducing JavaScript into the, the mix of it yet, um, they're represented as, as attributes.
1: So I follow you and I, and I agree there. And I think the place, and maybe I asked this question wrongly, it's partly because I don't know necessarily how to articulate this the right way too, is we have attributes on our HTML elements, right? Right. In the same page, like type. But when we get into the DOM, now the DOM, the document object model, because um, I don't like using acronyms, it itself has objects and those objects have properties, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So that's where I think sometimes the word property and attribute sometimes gets mixed because the DOM may have an object that re- represents that input, which also has properties on it. So an input in the DOM has properties, but an input as the element has (laughs) attributes, (laughs) right? Attributes, right. right. And and thus, this is why sometimes I don't articulate it super well, but I think when we're talking, if you hear the word property, this way I've always done it in my head, and tell me if you agree, if you hear the word property, you're really talking about the DOM. But if you hear the word attribute, you're really talking about, I'm inside of, probably inside of a text browser, uh, sorry, a, a text editor, and I'm sitting there typing HTML, and that's when I'm using attributes generally.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. So the question I have is, what's the material difference for I- any of us as we're, you know, we're developing our, our web applications? Like, even though we have that mental distinction, why would we want it separated, necessarily?
1: That's a great question. So this ran across, and I'll give give a good example of this. I ran across this a couple of years ago when working with um, some of the frameworks that are out there, React, Vue, Angular, etc., And when you're updating something that had an attribute and a property that corresponded to it in the the DOM, uh, some of these frameworks did very well because they could create effectively getters and setters for them. Right. But when the thing only had an attribute and did not have a corresponding property in the DOM, the way that the framework actually had to update it under the covers was slightly different. Uh, and that's when, to me, the clarification in my head came out of, and first it was an aha moment of, wait a minute, they're not the same. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because remember, I remember my scope. I never learned this from like a scholastic point of view. Right. Um, but then getting into that, I thought it was interesting to know that there isn't always a perfect relationship between a property and an attribute, but, but I agree with you for the, for the most part, you'll never have to do this. I probably went through 15 years of my web career without having to know this. (laughs) So there you go, everybody. You can see how uneducated John Papa was on attributes versus properties for a very long time in HTML. I raise this, Craig, because, uh, again, just to kind of further illustrate that while talking about HTML is such a common topic and, and all web developers know HTML, uh, I'd say pretty darn well, I think everybody's got a little bit of a gap here or there on, on different pieces, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. I think we all do. Except I mean, it, you. It, well... <laughs> Well, you've written 13 no. courses, man. You must know everything. Well, all I do, I show people how to use the same four, you know, tags, elements. Oh, really? All, all over again. Yeah, that's so what my secret. So I should take your course over just, and over again? Just take my course and you will be like a, a world expert on how to use the paragraph element.
1: So let me shift gears a little bit too. So we're not talking about CSS, but obviously you can't have a web page with HTML without. Well, you could, but you probably wouldn't have a web page HTML without some kind of CSS somewhere. Um, at least in modern day, one of the common things we used to do years ago was we used to give uh, a long time ago we used to give all HTML elements an ID.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We used to do this in other languages too, quite frankly, like VB three way back in the day. You know, everything had an ID of some sort, so you could identify where is that particular element. Uh, these days we don't generally give everything an ID anymore and it gets, it gets some interesting, there's a lot of good reasons for it, but I think there's some interesting aspects to that of is the ID tag, because we can now identify things through like styles and uh, selectors, for example, in CSS um, is the ID tag, something that should be deprecated.
0: I don't think so, but I don't know that I'm the best person to, to even answer this question. I think, it comes down to how the front-end framework is doing things. So, okay, let, let's take a step back for a second because w- what's the purpose of the the ID property? Okay, so that's to to give a unique identifier to that you element. Mean the attribute. Attribute, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so go ahead. <laughs> its purpose is to be the unique identifier on that one single page for that one single element. Right? You cannot have. You'll get you'll get errors on your page if you have try to put in two two elements with the same ID. Okay, right. So that's not the same for a class. So when you when you apply a, a, a class name to a set of elements, that's exactly what you're doing. You're working with a set of elements. I mean, like a so CSS class. A CSS class, right? Gotcha. So that could be only one item that has that class, or it could be multiple items. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. I've never looked at the internals of Angular or or of React or Vue or how they're doing it. But at some point, they need to be able to figure out where a specific element is on the page. And maybe they're not using IDs at all at any point, um, but what they're probably doing in the, in the background is figuring out, okay, well, I've generated this ID for this element. Now I'm going to refer to it based off of whatever.
1: Yes, so I, I see doubt, that a lot in these frameworks, like you do view source on Angular apps or others. For example, you see these IDs that are something you would never reasonably type. Like the frameworks are using those, right? So it and is. And they're useful. usually
0: con- concatenated values that have some sort of you know inherent context and 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 hierarchy to it. And so yeah, I mean, when we talk about deprecating the ID in and of itself, that's probably not a a good idea. But nevertheless. No. There's probably different ways that you can go about achieving what you want to do on a webpage without necessarily having to stamp your own ID on something.
1: So that was a leading question, Craig. Like, I agree with you. I I would never deprecate the ID tag. There are are times to use it, too. Like, there's times where you just absolutely need to, to get to something. It's not my de facto thing, meaning I don't start there. But let's go with something that's a little more, I'm not sure, with the right answer. And this might be controversial for folks. So the div tag. Most of the time, we talk about semantic HTML. We say, you know, there are better options than the div tag. Can you can you kind of elaborate on that? Like, wh- what does semantic HTML mean? Let's start there, and then tell us how the div tag comes into play.
0: Okay. So let's let's say you just have a simple web page that okay. has. I have a simple web page. John has a simple web page. Thank you. And uh, the title of this page is uh, biog or er, about. Let's just say this is your about page on on your website. So, um, you have an H1 on there that says about, and then underneath it, you have all your work experience or what you've been up to or whatever. Okay. So, we need to wrap that information in something. So Why? uh, Because, you know, if you don't, they tend to get cold. This information tends to, (laughs) to get chilly. I found it's just nice to provide wrappers around your data, your information. You know, it's the kind thing to do. Because uh, generally what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to apply styles to it, or maybe you're going to apply some logic to it. Like you're going to allow that that page to be affected somehow. And even if it's completely static, it usually comes down to styles. Okay. Yeah. If we don't put, t- if we don't use tags at all, right, like you have no way to select that information to style
1: it, to, right. to make it hide and show it. Uh, yeah. So using some tags is, an, is a good thing. But Continue.
0: So on this page, we can have all kinds of different information. So maybe there's uh, essentially what we'd call the primary information on the page that maybe talks about your, your work experience. But then you might have some extra links or something that's not as relevant to what the page is about, but it's something that you want to have there. So maybe it's related information or it's links to um, publications that you've made or or something. But essentially what we have is primary content, Versus secondary content. Now, one of the things that you could do is you could wrap all of those in in div tags. And as far as a search engine is concerned or as far as a screen reader is concerned, these two types of information are essentially the same. Because you haven't given any hints to a a machine about how to differentiate between this, this seemingly arbitrary piece of content. So what you can do instead is you can say, okay, well... Are there elements that have an inherent meaning that we could use for this page that would give those hints that would be able to give the, you know, I'm just gonna talk about search engines here for a second because that's where I have my most of my uh experiences in doing this with. So being able to tell a search engine, like you should index this information at a, a, a higher importance level than this information over here, because it just doesn't have the same amount of meaning on the page. And so we have elements like the main elements. Um, we have uh, the aside element, And so you could put your primary content in a main element telling the search engine that this is more important. And then, oh, by the way, this pull quote, this set of links, this more arbitrary information, I'm going to put in an aside element. And then that way it knows to treat those
1: differently. So you just mentioned several things. I did drop a couple of things in the notes here on this stuff too. You talked about aside and main. Uh, There's a bunch of others too, like article, uh, header, footer, nav. Uh, You know, I could go on. But all those tags are semantically correct if the things inside of those are representing what they are. Meaning you don't put, you know, my biography inside of the nav, for example, on an an about page, right? Like you could, (laughs) but...
0: (laughs) I mean, you could dance with your dog out on the front lawn um that doesn't necessarily mean that you should so i mean there, there's always that i don't know what you got
1: against my dog but um okay <laughs> true but you know you, you look at those the, the question that becomes when do you when do you need a div then like if you're saying and i know you're not saying this but like we always say use semantic html it's helpful for seo it's helpful for accessibility and readers as well um It's also just helpful to read the HTML. Like I'm sure you've seen websites I have where it's been like div mania, uh, where there's like 17,000 divs on a page. And you're like, what What am I reading? And then you see the class next to each div is, this is a header, this is a footer. (laughs) It's like, you know, there's a tag that does that. That's right. But beyond the point of trying to just be more correct, which I mean, frankly, who cares? Like the web page works. But beyond that point of it, what is the purpose for a div? Like, there's still a div. It's not deprecated. It isn't going anywhere that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. So when do you use a div versus one of those other semantically correct HTML tags? Well,
0: what, what does div stand for? Uh, divider, division, right. uh,
1: divvy. Right. I don't know yeah. what it actually stands all, for. What does it stand all, for, Craig? Uh,
0: as far as I know, it's division. Uh, divider, I think it's something a little bit different.
1: Division. <laughs> I just Googled it, by the way. So today I learned it stands for division. There you go.
0: So I think of it as an onion, okay? So when you start on the outside of the onion, you, you want to be as specific as possible, right? So you, the first thing you're going to declare is your HTML element, okay? Now the browser knows that it's dealing with an HTML page. Then you're going to look at your, your body element. Great, okay. So now this is the body as, as opposed to what's in the header of this document. Then from there, you're going to create probably a main element, Okay, so this is the main information that's on the page. And then you have an article element that, okay, this is the the specific stuff for this page. As you go further and further inside your webpage, it's not that meaning is lost. It's just at some point, it doesn't matter, right? Right. So if There's no
1: tag for it. This is the upper rightmost element inside of the page, (laughs) right? Right. Yeah. Or this is a single entry in a list of search results.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And so you have section and, and you have all this stuff. And, and so fr- from where I'm sitting, if when I'm building a webpage, I want to pick the, the tag or the, the element name that m- has the most meaning for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But there's lots and lots and lots of times where really all I just need is a div because I need something to style or I need something to turn on and off or you know whatever the case may be. So it basically comes down to just applying common sense to building your markup to allowing it to be as descriptive as possible where it doesn't get in your way.
2: Are you building a web application? Need to deliver it soon and don't have the people to do it? Maybe you're not sure your company has the skill set or experience to do it. And maybe we can help. I'm your host, Ward Bell, and my day job is building applications for companies like yours. I don't do it alone. I'm president of IdeaBlade, a consultancy that specializes in enterprise web application development. We're particularly strong in Angular, RxJS, and GRX Redux on the front end, and .NET and Microsoft technologies on the server. We're a small, tight-knit group of people handpicked by me for their expertise, experience, integrity, and team spirit. Maybe we can help you with architectural guidance and hands-on development. And if there's something we don't know, and in our field, really, there's too much to know, we can draw on our personal connections in the Microsoft RD, MVP, and Google GDE networks, as well as our international circle of really great developers, people we know and trust personally. If you got a project that's keeping you up at night, shoot us an email at info at ideablade.com. That's info at ideablade.com. And now back to the show.
1: So uh, there's this term deprecate that we kind of tossed out there earlier on here, and I truly love that term because it, it, it means different things, in different contexts. In some cases, it means it's gone. In other case, like you hear, like a framework or technology has marked this thing for deprecation, which means it isn't gone, but they're, they're highly discouraging mm. that you use it, right? Right, right. <laughs> Let's talk about some of these things that have been highly discouraged in HTML. And I want to start with one of my favorites that's out there, the center tag. Oh, the center tag. Yes, so it's a real yeah. tag, right? Like, it this is, a is the tag. answer to, why are people complicating the, like, the world, Craig? Why don't we just use a center tag everywhere instead of CSS?
0: Well, it's because when the center tag came out, that was making the world easier. Because CSS wasn't as mature at that point. No, I agree. So what, what we used to do, and like a long time ago, was there were a lot of HTML elements, tags, whatever you want to say, that basically informed layout. So you had the bold tag, you had the EM for emphasis, which is basically italicized. Um, You'd have center, you'd have blink, you had all this crazy stuff that was put into HTML in order to get the browser to do something because we didn't really have this fully baked notion of what style sheets were going to be Mm. in the browser. And so once we worked all that out, once we said, okay, there, there really needs to be a separation between content and structure... Versus instructions on how to make it look a certain way versus the logic that we apply to a web page. And so that's your your three building blocks, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Once we sort of figured out where those dividing lines were, then we were able to say, okay, <laughs> center tag, blink, marquee, bold, blink. like, take all oh, that yeah. stuff out. <laughs> the blink and the
1: marquee are, are the <laughs> canonical ones that people, yes, please don't use those. Right. You know, I, I just, um, I Googled this too, just to look to see, because I there's a couple in here that I ha- also try not to use. Things like font. Um, at the time when font tag came out, I imagined that this didn't really exist. In, you couldn't do it in a better way. Right. But now, like, we just, by nature, we create web pages. We use fonts with, you know, the way we include fonts today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't use a font tag. But if you go right to the docs for, and I think of MDN as the canonical web docs, and that's where right. these links are in the show notes. And MDN right stands top. for? Um, Mickey does, um, <laughs> I don't know, what? So Mozilla Documentation Network, is that what it stands for? Uh, I think it's the Mozilla Developers Network. Mozilla Developer Network, yeah. I am terrible exactly. at acronyms, folks. It, it's <laughs> You're learning a lot about me today. I hate acronyms at the very top of the uh, MDN docs, you can see here, it says in pink, deprecated. So again, remember deprecated, what does that mean, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, in this case, right after it, it says, this feature is no longer recommended. Though some browsers might still support it and it may have already been removed from the relevant web standards and may be in the process of being dropped or kept for compatibility purposes. Avoid using it and update existing code if possible. And then this is cool. See the compatibility table at the bottom of the page to guide your decision. Mm-hmm. And be aware that the feature may cease to work at any time. Basically, anytime you see it deprecated, regardless of the exact meaning, it really does mean you are highly discouraged from using this thing. Um, and if you look at the compatibility in the MDN, that's a nice way to look at. It. The other place you can go is one of my favorite web pages, which style wise needs to be updated, frankly. Um, but it's Can I Use? So can I use that website? You can, Craig. Okay. I'll, I'll give you permission.
2: Thank you. And if you Thank
1: go you to caniuse.com, you can not only look up HTML, but you can look up JavaScript and CSS and pretty much a whole bunch of things. Uh, but I love that it shows you like which versions of which browsers actually allow you to um, use, for example, the font tag. So uh, if you weren't aware of those, definitely check them out.
0: Which you don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I use the font tag, Craig? Come on. Well, you, you, okay, John, you can use the font tag. Okay. Everybody else who wants a career Don't use the font tag.
1: (laughs) Are you judging people? Seriously.
0: Wow. No, I'm looking out for them.
1: Okay. But anytime you say don't use something, you should be able to tell them what should you use. And in this case, like, and I think we'd all agree, CSS fonts and the properties would be a much better option uh, for folks to use, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can pull in font libraries, for example, too, like wherever you Mm -hmm. get them from, Google, et cetera. All right. So deprecated. What else is deprecated? I'm looking at a list on one of my other favorite websites, uh, which if you don't know this, I often drop this in the show notes, CSS Tricks. Folks, it's a wonderful website, great articles. And here's one that came out uh, about two years ago about elements that have been deprecated. Some of these I knew of, some I did not. Like, I don't think I knew there was an acronym tag. Mm. And it says here, use ABBR for abbreviation instead um applet i haven't heard of the applet tag oh, in about 20 years <laughs> yeah and it says use the object tag instead but yeah i do
0: remember applets do you remember right. those craig i i do i but again i hadn't thought of that in a very very yeah. long time so
1: there's also Even a the tag object called
0: tag, like yeah
1: I, yeah you know there's also a tag called big <laughs> i oh i don't gosh. i i feel like i should have known that but it's i, like going to I a high don't school think i did, did.
0: <laughs> yeah. You still
1: exist? <laughs> Remember Joey? What right? happened to Joey? I don't know. Uh, then we got dir, D-I-R. I don't think I knew that either, actually. So I'm learning a cue thing here. It says instead of dir, you should use UL for an uh, unnumbered list, right? Unordered list. Yeah, dir. I didn't, I didn't even use that one. Yeah, but UL stands for unordered list. Is that correct? Yeah, right. Okay. Again, acronyms, It's beyond me. Right. Uh, let's see what else is index. I never heard of this one this is no longer needed. That's interesting too.
0: So there's an attribute or a tag. That's a tag. Okay.
1: That's another one I never heard of either. (laughs) So as I said, uh, we talked before the show folks and Craig was like, man, everybody knows everything about HTML. Um, I don't think that's entirely true. HTML has been around for like 30 years and there's a lot of things in its evolution that have changed. And and I know deprecated tags may not be fascinatingly in, interesting to everyone but I think it's also it's good to look at these because it's helpful to know how the web has evolved. Like when HTML first came out, it was really about the HTML. Right. CSS and JavaScript have, I would say have evolved tremendously faster than HTML has. And I think part of that is because I consider them to be the more interesting parts of the web personally. Um because I just I just geek out about them. But HTML, for all that's all due, is we got to say, hey, give credit where credit's due here. HTML, I don't think, needed to change as much.
0: Like, it is what it is. So I don't know if this is a tangent we need to go down, but are you familiar with what happened with XHTML? No,
1: I don't know what happened to it, but I remember using it.
0: Well, so let, let me just tell a, a quick story, basically just to make a sharper point to what, to what you just said, okay? So Ow. we had... <laughs> we had HTML4, which you know was like the the introduction to dynamic HTML, and that's when JavaScript really started to play a big part in creating interactivity to to our web pages. Um, but the problem was every browser did things just a little bit different, creating nightmares and headaches. Oh for yeah, everybody that was a nightmare, right? In response to that, what web developers some web developers and browser makers decided we were going to do is, okay, we're going to get really strict on what HTML means and what it is. And so they created this flavor, this version of HTML called XHTML. And if it did not validate against this really strict set of rules, then you had all kinds of problems. And what we soon realized was just that philosophy in and of itself would essentially break the web because you have no control over... How people write HTML by hand. You have no control over how tools, you know, the many hundreds of tools that are created, uh, output HTML. And beyond that, if if we took these rules and said, okay, everything had to adhere to these strict guidelines, or else your page would break and then would not show up. What happens to all of this, you know, huge ocean of HTML that preexisted that maybe some very well-meaning teacher who just doesn't know HTML created for her, her classroom. Um, and then now, all of a sudden, students can't get to that page because they updated their browser. The point being, HTML is is like this very loose set of of instructions on how to represent information in a browser. And it kind of needs to be strict in one sense and loose in another. And so the reason it doesn't change and evolve maybe as fast as some of these other things is in order to serve that purpose. Yeah, like if, if we didn't have that
1: structure with HTML, would we ever have gotten, and some people may not have been developers during this time now, it's been so long, ha- would we ever have gotten the consolidation of all the web browser companies and creators to agree on a single document object model?
0: Yeah, well, I think the web standards project and and the, the amount of uh, public pressure that 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 working group placed on browser makers and on tool makers and on the industry as a whole um, was a huge part of that process and, and was really made, made a a good deal of good for not just our industry, but kind of society as a whole, because then we had, didn't have to stop fighting about (laughs) how to build and make all these things. And we were just like, okay, this is how the web
1: works and we can move on from there. Like imagine, uh, imagine Elon Musk sitting inside of Twitter going, yeah, you know, without web standards, we'd have like seven flavors of the Twitter source code that we have to create so we can render on all these different browsers. Yeah, I can imagine Elon Musk actually coding that, by the way. No.
0: Well, yeah. So, I mean, that would be, if we had a bunch of different code bases, that'd be great for jobs and really bad for for end users. So uh, we definitely don't want that.
1: Yeah, let's, yeah. No, thank you. There, there's a bunch of other things too in HTML, I think. We talk about what we shouldn't be using and kind of the history of it to a certain degree too, but... Um, what should people know? As somebody who's authored, you know, more than 10 courses literally on HTML, what do you think people should really know about using HTML as web developers today?
0: I think you should have a clear understanding of the separation of concerns between structure, style, and logic, which you, when you're using a front-end framework, sometimes those those lines are blurred. And sometimes they're blurred blurred for a really good reason because it makes more maintainable code, but still that mental model should be kind of firm inside of you to be able to say, okay, well, I need a certain amount of structure and I need the right types of elements in this component that I'm creating or in this content that I'm trying to render out on the page, um, which then affects my style, which then affects the JavaScript that I write. Um, So I don't think you need to know every single HTML element, what it does, but certainly that mental model will serve you well.
1: Clearly, I didn't need to know every single element. because <laughs> We just went through a couple <laughs> I'd never heard of. Right. <laughs> <So, laughs> um, and, it, you know, that's honestly, that's why, like, you know, Google or ChatGPT or Stack Overflow or, you know, pick your favorite thing or Craig's course exist, so we can look right. some of these things up uh, that are out there. But where do things like, um, we, we haven't gotten into like more complex stuff with with HTML. And say complex, like gathering data. So we start using forms and whatnot with HTML. Mm-hmm. what what would you say, like, if, if you have some tips on, like, you're going to create an HTML form, which those who've listened to the show know that I can't stand the way HTML forms have been designed overall. I don't mean the look, but I mean the way they work. What would you say the biggest tip you have for folks is on, if you're going to create an HTML form, you should be doing what?
0: It comes back to the the same piece of advice, and that's be aware of what element you're using for its purpose. So for instance, if you want to create a responsive web app, and you are creating an input form in order to collect, say, a phone number. If you don't uh, declare that input type as a a phone, uh, I think, is it phone or phone number or whatever uh, input type, then the keyboard on a mobile device does not change to the the phone keyboard layout. And these really small sort of nuanced types of things can have a, a huge effect on user experience that the people who use your website's uh, experience, but then also as a developer, now you don't have to validate the entire world as far as taking in that user in- input and, and working with it. So, yeah, when, when it comes to forms, using the right form element for the right thing and then locking down either, you know, you have validation expressions where you can put a regular expression in there. So you make sure you're only taking in from the from the input elements uh, what you're looking for or min and max values. It's like, there's so much you can do just within the input element that you then don't necessarily have to redo in JavaScript.
1: I have to ask you one of my favorite topics, Zen coding, AKA
0: Emmet. Yes. What's your thoughts on Emmet? I like Emmet a lot. And uh, I use it every chance I get. I mean, I'm, I don't know that I'm expert at it, but I mean, I can generate a fair amount of uh Table information pretty quickly and, and form information pretty quickly using Emmet. For those that don't know, uh, Emmet is a a syntax that you can use within your editor. Visual Studio Code is is obviously the most common. Um, it, it very closely re- resembles the the CSS selector syntax. And so, if you are you know you want to create a paragraph with an anchor uh, inside of it, then you can just do um, p greater than uh, A, and it'll generate that for you. If you wanted to create a list item with three items in it, then you could do, you know, UL for unordered list, greater than LI, and then an asterisk, and then three, and it'll create three of those items for you. So, Are you actually typing code in a podcast? I'm trying to. <laughs> you can visualize in your, in your mind's eye. Do visualize it Craig typing along right. with you.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things I love about Emmet is that uh, it's baked into VS Code now. So I don't have to worry about going to get an extension or whatever to use it. But uh, I also love how some of the tooling editors like VS Code, when I start typing the Emmet syntax out, before I hit tab or enter or whatever keystroke you want to use, it actually will pop up a little tooltip showing me what HTML it's going to create. Right. So I get a preview of it in case I'm like, oh, that's not what I meant. You know, I can kind of fix it.
0: And to your point when you're when you're building forms and oftentimes you have to nest elements inside other things you want to create a label yeah. element to associate with it that you know Emmet can help make that process a, a little less painless painful yep. yeah it can make it a little more painful a little less painful <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome I think is what I was going for
1: I gotcha. Hey, Craig, this has been fun to talk about HTML a little bit here. And I think the key takeaway I have from from today's show is that there's a lot about HTML that we take for granted. I mean, I know I do. uh, And I have to Google some of these things sometimes to figure out what should I be using here and what's the right way to do it. But some of the tips that I've often had are whenever I use a tag, I'm always trying to make sure that I'm using using the right tag. I'm so used to still adding CSS classes to stylize and design things, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if I create a CSS class, CSS class called nav, there's probably a likelihood that maybe I could use a nav tag instead for that thing. But if I couldn't, it's okay to use a class called nav. Like there's times to use a class, but I think when I see a lot of my own code and I've got div, 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 that's usually my trigger to go, was this really the right way to go about this? Um or a span, 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 or PPP. You know, whatever you've got, <laughs> all over the place.
0: Right? Yeah, and it's it, it. You don't have to have an encyclopedic knowledge of each one of these elements, but knowing generally the the ones that do a good job of describing the inherent purpose of the content will it, it'll help you write cleaner CSS, like like you're alluding to. And it, it helps give those hints to a search engine, to a screen reader of what this thing is supposed to be a lot easier. Cool.
1: Hey, Craig, it was really great talking to you about all this today. And before we get to our final thoughts, I want to make sure we say thank you to our sponsors out there for keeping us on the air every week. Idea Blade, Narwhal, and AG Grid. Thank you so much. It's all of our listeners for keeping us on the air and listening to our conversations. Uh, and we are scheduled out for several months right now. We got a lot of great topics coming up some awesome guests um, up right through the summer here for 2023. But if you have topics you want to hear about or you want to be on the show, please reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram and let us know or through the website.
0: Or stop by John's house. I
1: mean, you can just knock on the door. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> but I'd be happy to meet
1: you for a coffee at the local Starbucks. <laughs> If, uh, it, it, oh my gosh, you threw me <laughs> off there, Craig. So our final <laughs> thoughts for the audience today, Craig, what is your final thought?
0: Uh, my final thought is uh, basically to to do what we've talked about, is spend a little bit of time looking at different elements and try and get an idea of what each one does uh, in order to make a better user experience for your users, to make it easier for you to write uh, CSS, and ultimately to warm John's heart Uh, that more people in the world know about HTML. You know what else warns my heart, Craig? What's that?
1: When people use the multi-cursor in VS Code. (laughs) So this is my final (laughs) thought for the day. I love the multi-cursor. I've used this in editors for a decade. And I just find that those who use it, love it. nobody says, yeah, multi-cursors never helped me. Uh, Unless you've never really used it. And if you haven't, boy, check this out. So you can use Emmet with multi-cursors too. Tying it back to our show, there's a great example I'll link to in the show notes about how you can use Emmet with a multi-cursor in VS Code, but this works in other editors too. So what does this mean? So a multi-cursor is great for, let's say you wanted to create a UL with an LI that happens to have a div tag underneath it. (laughs) Let's not get away from the divs. And you (laughs) want to create five of those. You could use Emmet to create those, but let's say then they already exist At that point, you could actually go and use the multi-cursor to find all of the divs inside of those ULs, select them, and then actually start typing more Emmet. And basically, you could have like five, remember there were five of those uh, LIs, Um, you could create, sorry, ULs, you could create five different cursors inside the same document, and everything you type will be mirrored in all five places. So therefore, if you wanted to create like a span that had, um, some text, and then an A with an href and some style to it, you can actually expand all that in five spots with the multi-cursor. If you want a visual to what I'm talking about, go check out the link that I'm going to point you to. It's got a great GIF or GIF, depending on how you want to pronounce that.
0: And you're doing that with control D? So when you're you're selecting some text and then doing control D to get your multi-cursor? Depends upon your keystroke uh, mappings Mapping, that you have. yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah, and there's also I think it's uh, command control K, command control D. You can actually unselect one. I often use that tip a lot too because maybe I want all of the divs except for this one, and you can actually skip over one, which I find phenomenally useful. Yeah. Um, but some people wonder why how I can I can type so fast. I don't actually type fast. I just use a lot of keyboard shortcuts. <laughs> um, and the multi cursor is one of those things that truly unlocks my. Um, coding capabilities and efficiencies. And I highly encourage everyone to use that. Me too. Great. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, Craig, thank you for the great episode today. And thank you for uh, the wonderful education on HTML and for reminding everybody what MDN stands for, since I didn't know. Um, and you can all laugh at John Papa about that this evening as you go to your local Starbucks and have a coffee. Hey, everybody out there. Uh, It's been real. It's been fun. Just want to make sure you know to check us out every Thursday morning. We'll see you next time. And we've got some great stuff coming up like micro frameworks and Next.js. You'll hear from us every Thursday. See you next time.